welcome uh, Calvary brothers and sisters. Uh, welcome yeah. visitors if you're here joining us uh, during the school holidays. Uh, and welcome to all our online... Uh, uh, we've got some things to pray for. Uh, you probably heard on the news, Tokyo has been smashed you know, with a, a typhoon and also an earthquake. And they've had them recently as well. So there's um, you know, numbers of people dead and missing. And um, we, want to, we want to pray for them. And we also want to pray for um, Jim Bradley and his extended family. His brother Don passed away um, very recently. So we need to pray for those as well. So uh, please, please bow your hearts with me. Father, we, we, we come before you and we lift up the nation of Japan and, and particularly the city of Tokyo. And Lord, there are, are people grieving. There are millions of people who have uh, had to take refuge and, and move and take shelter. And Lord, we pray in the midst of the death and the, uh, the pain and the loss, Lord, that you would be at work uh, by your spirit, that you would uh, mobilise your people in that place and that... Lord, that you would draw people to yourself, that through the tragedies, um, through the loss, that you would be powerfully at work and that you would be building your kingdom in that place. Um, Lord, healing hearts and, and, and Lord, uh, doing your powerful kingdom work. So, Lord, we know you do that in the midst of tragedy and we do pray that for our brothers and sisters in Christ there and those that don't know you uh, in that, in that city, in that nation, Lord. And we lift up Don, um, uh, Jim and his family and in the midst of their loss uh, of uh, Don, his brother Don, and all that he was to them. Lord, we, we pray that you would bring healing. Lord, that you would again be at work in that family, uh, drawing them to yourself, drawing them to each other bringing healing and uh, doing your powerful kingdom work in that family, Lord. And Lord, we come before you now as we open up your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word, that we would, Lord, that we'd be changed and transformed by it, Lord, that we'd be encouraged and inspired, um, Lord, to uh, pursue you more closely, to, to love you more deeply. So, so help us in this. We, we admit our lack and our need of you in this. So help us, we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Alrighty, well, we're in uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on Hebrews uh, 12, uh, chapter 12 and verse 2. But before we do that, we need to have a, a little bit of uh, background. Uh, so the book of Hebrews... Uh, a wonderful book, a majestical book, um, majestic book, uh, written in a time uh, to believers who were um, undergoing trial, and that's relevant for us because all of us, uh, God promises trial as, as believers in Christ, that we will have trial, and so if we're not going through one presently, uh, we soon will be, so it's relevant for us um, always. Now, it's originally written to um, a, a group of Jewish Christians who were looking to turn away from the, the sufficiency and the, the supremacy of Christ and go back to their old ways of Judaism. So they were looking to compromise the gospel, looking to leave the gospel, water down the gospel. And that's always a temptation for us to, to not rest 
and savour and relish the gospel and to look to other things. So that makes it relevant for us. So the book of Hebrews, it, it, the whole book, it trumpets the, the absolute uh, supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ and the finality of what God has done through Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection for us. So I'm not sure whether you've, you've seen this before, but the, the chapter 1 of Hebrews and chapter 1 of Colossians, they, they just trumpet the supremacy of Christ. So I, I encourage you in, in your own time, read chapter 1 of Hebrews and then go away and read chapter 1 of Colossians and you just see how majestic and supreme Jesus is. Um, and if you've got any uh, Jehovah Witness friends or... Um, SDA friends, other friends or people you know in, in cults, um, then chapter 1 of Hebrews um, proclaims the supremacy of Christ and that Jesus is not an angel. He is far above the angels. Okay, so are you there in uh, Hebrews chapter 12? We are going to just very quickly before we jump into chapter 12 is just have a quick look to get the, the context of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews chapter 11, you've probably read it many times, beautiful chapter, that great faith chapter. Um, and in the beginning of, of chapter 11, it defines exactly what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things uh, not yet seen. So that's our, our definition, the biblical definition of, of faith. And so in chapter 11, we have this long list of, of men and women um, who overcame great trials and did great things by their ever-present God. And they did it, as you see, as you read through that, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, God did these things through them. So chapter 11 encourages us and it inspires us to press in to Jesus, but also to look at what our brothers and sisters have done in the past. Um, it's the great faith chapter. And, you know, this book, the Bible, is our book and it's, it's the book that we have to be grounded in and have to read and have to meditate upon and have it written upon our hearts, but also not only what we read in chapter 11 of these great brothers and sisters in Christ, what God did through them, we have the whole of church history, 2,000 years of church history, and there are amazing things in our church history of what God has done in and through our brothers and sisters that have gone before us. So I want to encourage you, read Christian biography. You know, there's, there's books like this, 50 People Every Christian Should Know by Warren Worsby, and you know, it's, it's got five to ten pages on each person, men and women who have, God has used in amazing things and who overcome amazing trials. Um, you know, we, we, we get great encouragement. We get inspired um, by brothers and sisters that have gone before us, like what we read in chapter 11. Okay, so why do we need this constant reminder uh, that Christ is sufficient and he is supreme um, by all these people, our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. Why do we, we need this? Because, the answer, because 
Satan and this world and even our sinful nature will whisper to us daily that God is not good and that sin is better. Okay, that's, that's really Satan's tried and true uh, temptation that he comes to us. Whatever trial, temptation that we're going through, that is really the bottom line. Satan is trying to get us to believe that God is not good and sin is, in fact, better. But the Bible, you know, trumpets to us, and as we'll see here in Hebrews, trumpets to us that God is good and he is better than all things, all things on this, on this earth. And so that's why we need to hear uh, this kind of truth uh, imprinted on our hearts. So in chapter 11, the author of Hebrews presses our minds uh, to look at these believers that have gone before us. And so he says, look at these men and women uh, of faith. Look at what God did through them and look at how they overcame in Christ. And then we come to the beginning of chapter 12 and it says, therefore... Okay, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Being Australians, um, we've all probably played sport or at least watched it and uh, we know that uh, when you've got a cheering crowd around you and you're playing on the field or on the court, whatever, whatever sport you're playing, how does that cheering affect your performance on the ground, on the court? What does it do when you hear you know, the people, your family, your friends, you know, the, 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 the people around you, when they're cheering, what does it do for your performance? You know, it, it greatly enhances your performance, doesn't it? You know, the, the home ground uh, advantage is... Is amazing and what, what it can do for people's uh, performance. And so what we have in chapter 11 is those that were in the arena, okay, now watching on, okay, and we are now, in this time that we live in, we are now the ones in the arena surrounded and being encouraged, cheered on by those that have gone before us. And it says run, okay, and that word run there. Okay, it means persevere to the end. Persevere to the end. Because no one gets a prize, do they, for starting a race. You only get a prize when you finish the race, when you cross over the finish line. Okay? And how does... uh, So it's, it's running with endurance. And how does the author tell us to run? Okay, well, he's already said, look at chapter 11, in chapter 11, look at all these people run the way they have run, but it says lay aside every weight, okay, the things that slow us down, so lay aside every weight. So there's lots of good things, you know, they're not necessarily bad things in our lives that slow us down, okay, and I was, I was thinking of a, something, we've all been on holidays before, you know, we've loaded up the car, and it's loaded up with luggage, you know, suitcases and bags and food and Eskies and you know whatnot. The car is loaded up with fuel, so the, t- the fuel tank is fuel, and you might even have some jerry cans in there. You might even have a trailer behind it, loaded up with stuff. It might have a you might have a boat, you might have a caravan, and you know how your car drives when it's empty. 
and then you put your foot on the accelerator and it's loaded up with kids and all the food and eskies and luggage and, and you go, whoa, <laughs> we're not going anywhere too quickly. This car is struggling a little bit with all the weight, okay? Thought of another picture. I remember seeing this picture of this, um, this uh, sheep. Might have been a ram. I don't know. There's some shearers here. You've probably seen the picture of uh, the sheep that didn't get shorn for many, many years. And it was like, it was massive. And it, like its eye, it could hardly even see its eyes. Like the wool had just like, it was crazy. And I thought, wow, carrying all that around. And then apparently, I mean, it was a long time ago when I, when I read this story that when they shore it, it was like, <laughs> and it apparently found it hard to stand up and even walk because it was so used to carrying this massive amount of, of wool around it. Okay, so this is the picture that uh, the author of Hebrews is giving us here. Lay aside the weight. If we're going to run the race, and we're not talking about a 100-metre dash, we're talking about a marathon here. If we're going to go the distance, if we're going to persevere to the end, we lay, need to lay aside the weight. So there's some things in our lives that they're not necessarily bad things, but we might need to unhitch them so that we can run, okay, stripped down like a marathon runner, okay, and run the race well. Stripped down, okay, with a a sort of that, that radical wartime mindset. Okay, so he says, lay aside every weight, Okay, and the sin that so easily entangles. So you can imagine you've got this picture of being entangled and tripping over. Okay, so we, the author is, is pressing us, okay, challenging us to lay aside the weight, okay, break away from the sin that trips us up. All right, so then the author shifts, okay, then the author shifts and look at verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so this this shift we were looking at, the, the great faith chapter, the people that have gone before us, he's told us to lay aside the weight, okay, lay aside the sin and now shift our gaze, our our view to Jesus, okay? And it says, looking to Jesus. And that word looking, that verb, is present tense, okay? So it's not a one-off thing. It's a continual, a daily, an ongoing, a step-by-step thing. It's an ongoing thing, okay? Looking to Jesus. So it's looking to Jesus in all of our plans, in all of our choices, in everything that we do, okay? And is this looking to Jesus just as our example to us and then we just grit our teeth and sort of press on? No, not at all, okay? Looking to Jesus is placing our faith, our trust, trusting his word, trusting his promises with confidence because he's placed the spirit within us. So Jesus is not only our forerunner, he's gone before us, Okay, he's also the road, John 14 tells us. So he's not only our forerunner, he is the road. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, and he is with us. He says to us in, in John 14, 23, my father and I will make our homes in us. So we're not running this race alone. We have Jesus 
with us, in us, by our side. And he promises in Hebrews 13.5, never will he forsake us. Okay, he will be with us. And in Matthew 28.20, he says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Okay, and is that all? Not at all. He says, we look to the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, your translation may say the pioneer or the author or the originator of our faith, depending on your translation. So he is the one that started our faith and he's the one that will perfect our faith, finish our faith. So from start to finish, our faith is from Jesus and it is in Jesus. So Jesus is the basis, he's the means, and he's the goal and the fulfilment of our faith. Okay, in, uh, if we think of uh, Ephesians uh, 1, 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So he, he chose us, okay, before this world existed, before we existed, before we chose him and responded in faith to him, he has chosen us, okay? So we hold that in one hand, but can we then say, oh, okay, he's chosen us, so do we just, you know, go on our merry way without, you know, putting our life into this? No, not at all. Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verses uh, 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so Jesus has chosen us. If we're born again, if we're washed clean by his blood, Okay, he is, he's chosen us before we did that, all right? But, he's, but what uh, Paul says here is, well, you can't just rest on that in, 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 and leave it at that. No, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And look at the very next verse with that as well. Verse 13, for it, or because it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so God is, if we're born again, he's chosen us before the creation of the world, all right? We work out our salvation, and it is God that works in us and is in us and with us to, to achieve that, okay? That's, that's amazing. We've got to meditate upon these truths because um, they're, they're so encouraging, and we need them as we struggle our way in running this race. Okay. So, he chose us, he empowers us, we run and we struggle and we wrestle and we fight in him and through him, uh, for him. And he is the one that works in us to achieve this. All right, on to the the, the part of the verse I really wanted to um, have a look at closely here. So, uh, in back into Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Okay. So in some translations it says, for the sake of the joy 
which lay before him. Another translation says, for the joy awaiting him. Another translation puts it, because of the joy he saw ahead of him. Okay, So for the joy that was set before him. So this idea of looking forward for the joy ahead actually runs through quite a lot of Hebrews. Okay, and we'll have a look at those verses now. So just keep your finger there. Turn back to chapter 10 of Hebrews. Chapter 10 and verse 34. It says, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted, joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Okay, so there's this joy that they're looking forward to. Okay, the, the, the kingdom to come, the home to come. And then into the next chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 24 through to 26. It says, by faith, so we're in the great faith chapter, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he, for he was looking to the reward. Okay, so what he was going through, he was always looking forward, looking to the reward, the joy of the reward. Okay, we're in chapter 12, but we'll have a look in verse in chapter 13. Chapter 13 of Hebrews and verses 13 and 14. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So can you see the picture there? Looking forward, looking ahead, the city to come, the joy that awaits. But again, remember, it's not just a joy ahead. It's not just pie in the sky. Jesus indwells us now by his spirit, all right, and we have that joy, not only future, but presence as well. So, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, as Christians, we, you know, we talk about the cross a lot. It, you know, it runs off our lips regularly. It should, in our minds. And because we think about it often, should think about it, and speak about it often, it can almost become very familiar in the sense that it loses its power, it loses its impact. I, I read, um, this really hit home to me. Um, this is one commentator talking about if we were at the cross, if we were standing there when Jesus was on the cross. And he says, if you had been at the cross, you probably would have vomited or screamed or pulled out your hair or thrown yourself on the ground and pounded the dirt, ground your teeth, and sobbed yourself into exhaustion. It's heavy, heavy words, isn't it? It's like, you know, the, the cross is not something we, we should think about lightly, talk about lightly. Um, so, Jesus bore the horror of our sin. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he became sin. Okay, not just bore our sin. I mean, I don't know how... We picture how we get our heads around that. 
he didn't just bear our sin, he, he became sin. You know, the sinless son of God, the holy, righteous king of glory became sin. And not only did he do that, he bore our shame and he bore our punishment in our place. So, so how did he do that? How, how, how did Jesus go through that horror, that tor- it, was, it was torture. How did he go through that? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2 tells us. It says there, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Okay? So let's go into this a little bit more deeply. You know, what, what was it that he was looking forward to that was the joy for him? I think... There's probably lots of things, but I think there's three key, three key things. He was looking forward to be returning the reunion with him and the Father. He was going home. This was the one thing that he had to get through and then he would be home. He would be reunited with his Father by his side. And that was joy. He could look to that and see the joy and in that sense, go through the horror because that's what he knew he was heading for. Keep your finger there. Go into the book of Psalms, chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. Now this is David speaking, and but we can see what Jesus is looking for here. In, in, in Psalm 16, and verse 11, it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I mean, that's for us. That's what David was looking for. But it was for Jesus too, and not only was he going back to the Father to be reunited? He was going to sit on his throne with him and rule and reign as he does now, as, as our high priest. He is our high priest and he's praying for us even now. So that's the first thing that was the joy that was set before him, is being reunited with the Father. I think the second thing too is that the glory that it would bring the Father and the joy of honouring the Father in completing his mission, okay, the honour and the... Because he loves the Father and he was obeying the Father, this completed mission would honour him. And in that honouring of the Father was great joy. The third thing is the joy of knowing the glorious effects that his suffering would bring our salvation, okay? So he would purchase his bride, the church, which is us, okay? So the joy of knowing what it would achieve for millions and millions of people, okay? Now let's think about this. They, they were the, there's probably more, but they are, I think, three key points of what Jesus was looking forward to, the joy that was set before him. Now, if you think about it, we've actually been privileged as born-again Christians to participate in and experience 
this threefold joy of Christ in a, in a much smaller sense. Okay, so let's go over those three points again, applying them to us. Okay, so the first one was that he would be reunited with his father. He would go home and rule on the throne with his father. Okay, what does it say for us that we will reign with Christ? Okay, so that is the joy that we can set before ourselves when we are going through trial, when we're struggling and we feel like giving up and we don't know whether we can make it, we can look forward knowing the joy that we will reign with Christ. The second part is the joy of the completed obedience. We know that when we finish finish the race, cross over the line, we will have completed the mission that God has for us here on earth doing whatever he has predestined for us to do, the good works that he's laid out for us to do. So when we cross over, we will enter into that joy of knowing that we will be, that Jesus' Father will say to us, good and faithful servant, enter your rest. That is the joy that we can set before us. And the last point is the the salvation of his bride. Now, we don't save anyone. We don't even save ourselves. Jesus saves us. But we, are, we participate in his work, his kingdom work, in his church. Here in this local body, in our, in our families, in our community, the people, you know, our brothers and sisters we rub shoulders with. And it, so in that sense, it's a bit like a slipstream. You know, we, what we do in this life impacts and influences people. I mean, you, you might not have think about that, but, you know, every day we're doing things, we're saying things that have a ripple effect on other people. And that can be good and it can be bad or bad, all right? Stream effect. I remember um, a long time ago, um, this was before I met and married Jen, I was going, uh, travelling around Australia. I was on a, on a working holiday and I had a, a combi camper van. Um, and it wasn't very fast. Uh, they're not designed to go fast. Uh, it was an 1800, so it was sort of yeah, the 1600s and the two litres. Mine was in the middle. Um, and it didn't go very fast. And um, so, you know, I'd be out in the open road in New South Wales, Queensland. I, I can't even remember where this happened, but I, I still remember it. This uh, semi-trailer, <laughs> you know, overtook me. And, you know, I was out in the straight stretch. This semi-trailer overtook me. And I knew, ah, oh, slipstream effect. <laughs> I knew there was vortex following. I think it was a three-trailer semi. I thought, right, there's a massive vortex sucking behind this semi-trailer. And I thought, wow, I can actually... Slipping by this. So as it passed me, I sort of put my foot on the accelerator a bit, got in real close, and sure enough, you know, I was, I was, it was pretty stupid really looking back on it. It was a dangerous thing to do. I was quite close, and I could just pull my foot off the accelerator a bit, and I was getting pulled in behind this, this semi trailer. I didn't do it for long because I thought, man, if this guy puts his foot on the brake, <laughs> I'm going to be nose to nose with the back of his trailer. Um, so yeah, this 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 semi trailer and you know you see cars drive by and there might be leaves or paper on on the on the road and they get pulled in by, as the car goes past and you know we see the birds flying in formation in the in the V all right the one at the front's really flapping hard and the ones behind are getting sucked in behind the vortex and then they take turns because the one at the front gets tired pretty quick and they go back around and, and they take turns. And it's like that as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You know, we are saying things, we're doing things, we're praying for one another, we're encouraging one another. And that is, you know, and Jesus is the forerunner. He's at the front. He's gone before us, all right? But as we follow him and pursue him, you know, we're in his vortex. He's drawing us by the Spirit. But others, you know, ones younger in the faith, you know, our friends, our family, they're being drawn in. We, we influence and we affect one, uh, one another. And, you know, half of it, more than half of it, we won't get to see until we're in eternity. You know, we're going to enter into eternity when we cross over that line, when we finish the race, there are going to be people that are going to come up to us and they say, you prayed for me. You said this. And you can go, what, did I? You know, we... we we don't realise the effect that we have on other brothers and sisters in Christ. So be encouraged in that. So Jesus counted uh, upon, when he was upon the cross, he counted upon the reality of this future joy and he accessed it in his present circumstances. Did he suffer? Of course. You know, the, the torture is beyond, just, not just the physical torture, the, the spiritual what was going on there is way beyond we will ever know. But he could see through that and he could count he, the joy set before him. And we do the same as Jesus. As we follow his lead, we think and see as he did. Now, Scripture says we have the mind of Christ. All right, so the joy set before us is the hope of glory, okay? And it's not just this pie, the, you know, because you get people saying, oh, you Christians, you just live in this pie in the sky thing, living for heaven and you know earthly good. No, 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 at all, all right? This is a living hope, okay? It is in us now and it is by the Spirit, okay? What is um, Colossians one twenty-seven. This is a verse. If you're going to memorise verses, this is one of them. Christ, you know, it talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's not pie in the sky down the finish line on the, over the horizon. There, yes, it is on the horizon. Yes, it is a finish line before us. But it's the hope of glory. Now we taste of it. Now we experience it now by the Spirit. Okay, and we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Sensitive to the Spirit as we do that. Okay, so the cross, you know, it's, it's rightly the central image and symbol of Christianity. The cross is not only the greatest example of Jesus' faith, it is also the focus of our faith in him. Now, Richard Phillips, he says it this way, to be Christian then means to rely, trust, hold, clench hold of, Christ's atoning blood on Christ's finished work for our salvation and to hold this gospel as the great treasure of our heart. That's what it means to be a Christian, to savour and delight in and treasure the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us through his death and through his resurrection. I want to finish with, with two verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians, so turn with me please, 2 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 
Okay, so this is, this is really saying the same thing. 2 Corinthians 3.8, and it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so that's, that's, that's our life as Christians. We behold Jesus, and as we behold him, we are transformed to become like him. And you know, some days that doesn't seem like much of a reality for us. We, we struggle and we, you know, we, with clay feet, clomp along thinking, am I making any headway in this, in this, this Christian thing? I still seem to be struggling with so much stuff. Um, but the promise is, as we behold him, okay, for the joy set before us, keeping our eyes fixed upon him, we run the race, okay? We, we access that, that, that future joy presently by his spirit. Last verse is in the next chapter, chapter 4 of 2nd, 2nd Corinthians, verses uh, 16 to 18. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our art, outer nature is wasting away. I mean, there's some of us, you know, a bit more on in years, and that feels like the case when we get up in the morning and the body just doesn't want to go the way it used to, okay? Though the outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. You know, I, it, it's such a privilege to know older Christians, you know, Christians who are elderly and they've been in the faith for it's beautiful and you, and you see their hearts are getting softer they're, you know, they're, they're, even though their bodies are wasting away there's a glint in their eye and it's so, such, a, such a beautiful thing um, and then you know, we know of other older people who are not Christians you know, and you see as the years have gone on you know, the bitterness and the unforgiveness and you know it, it, they're spiralling and inward in, and becoming warped and twisted and, and angry people and it's horrible to see that and so even though our outer nature is wasting away our inner nature is being renewed day by day for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient. You know, they're temporary, they're short-lived. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Okay, so in finishing, we run, we run the race in him and for him. We run with our fellow brothers and sisters as we're doing now and as we do through Bible studies and praying for one another and meeting and fellowshipping together. Um, the race will be over soon. Okay, um, you know, Jen and I have been here since 2003 and, you know, we've seen a few funerals. Uh, brothers and sisters who are no longer here, they've gone before. They've entered into glory, all right? And, you know, we, we live our lives thinking, well, yeah, I'm going to be here next week and next year and, you know, tomorrow's promised to nobody. Um, so let us run well. Let us run with Christ for the joy set before us. The joy was set before him. He kept his eyes 
you know, tunnel vision set upon them and it got him through the horror of the cross. And so, you know, I don't know what you're going through. You know, we all have our own personal struggles and things that, you know, make life hard. But we run the race. We keep our eyes fixed upon Christ for the joy set before us. As he did that, he is not only our role model, he is with us doing it. Okay, he's empowering us by his spirit. And that is a beautiful thing. So I just want to encourage you, challenge you, inspire you, keep running the race. We will get there and it will be beyond our wildest dreams. What does you know, Corinthians say? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived you know, the things that, that await us. And it's not just pie in the sky. You know, as we cry out to God in prayer for the things we, we we're wrestling with. As we cry out to God, he meets us. And he knows, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our failings, and yet they're washed clean by his blood. It's beautiful. The Christian faith is, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. There's nothing better. Um, he's a good king, and we will be with him soon. And we know it because he dwells in our hearts. Let's pray. Let's pray.